0: Now, Belleville is always a delightful place to come to. I love coming to Belleville. Uh, it's a very friendly church, I must add. Very nice people. And on the days, I don't like coming to Belleville on a day when there is potluck. Because I've got to short the sermon. But on a day when there is no potluck, I preach till sundown. Okay? So we're in for a treat today. But it's always the delight. And um, what I thoroughly enjoyed this fall, we came here in October was to see the change of the seasons in Trent Hills. The color was so beautiful as I drove up to Hastings and to Campbellford. I thought, man, there has to be a God. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Mm -hmm. Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful opportunity that we can come into your sanctuary, be imbued by your Holy Spirit, that we can enter into the study of your word. We ask for a special blessing. Father, I pray that this message is going to resonate in the hearts of everyone. In my heart also, let me stand down. Let Mm -hmm. Jesus be lifted up. Let he be seen and be drawn close to him. Kindly forgive me of my sins. cleanse me from all unrighteousness. In the name of Jesus Christ, I ask these things. Amen. Amen. So today, the the message is to go on remembering. It was just 17 days ago, November 11th. And that day was honored as Remembrance Day. Is that correct? Now, can anyone tell me when Remembrance Day actually started? And I'm going to give you a hint. It was first called Armistice Day. Armistice Day. And it was first, it was honored, um, that day was honored, following the signing of the Treaty of Versailles. So, what war was that? First world War number 1. War war number one. And so world war number 1 came to an end on November 11th the 11th month the 11th day at the 11th hour in 1918. And it was such a hideous war that they wanted to be sure that a world a war like that would never take place again. So there are two things that happened. Number 1 that day armistice day that that honored the dead, all of those who died, the soldiers who died on the field, the civilians who died as a result of the disease from wars and famines, and so they were gonna honor that day. But in 1918, the war came to an end. In 1920, the League of Nations was formed, and that League of Nations was designed to prevent another war like World War I. But come 1938, 1938. What happened in 1938? World War number two started. So there is this blend of honoring those who died in the war, and we call it Remembrance Day today. So if you reflect back from 1918 to 2015, how many years is that? Ninety-seven years. Is that correct? Good. So during that time period, the world or the Western world, the um, the British nations have come to remember. Let us not forget. Let us not forget the many who died in war. Amen. But something has happened. When I was young, and that was many years ago, we were very conscious. We were very conscious of Remembrance Day. But that Remembrance Day now is being lost among this generation. And there's some significance to that. Very, very significance. So as we take a look at to go on remembering, we're going to take a look at the story of creation. The story of creation. Now in the story of creation, there is a perfect symmetry. A perfect balance in the course of creation. Creation was not a random act on the part of God. It was systematic. It was designed with a certain purpose. And on the first day, God separated the light from the darkness. And the light he called day, and the darkness he called night. Amen? The Bible says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and waters hovered over the deep. The world today is trying to find out how it all began. And they're spending billions and billions of dollars to find how life began. And I can get them a Bible for 1999 that answers the question. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and so on the first day he separated light from darkness and on the second day the earth being filled with water he separated the waters from below from the waters above and so the waters above he called the firmament and the waters below he called the the seas on the third day God said he separated the dry land from the sea so in, in, all, in, in essence what he did the the bottom here being all water, he called out the dried land. And he separated it. And then he planted the vegetation. So what God did in the very first three days of creation was to create what? Space. God created space. And then we take a look at the next four days of creation, he filled the space. And so on the fourth day... I want us to turn in our Bibles, please. Let's go to the book of Genesis uh, chapter 1. Let's go to the book of Genesis chapter 1. I want us to see how God, so that light system that God had put in place was now supposed to support, to support life. So let us go to Genesis chapter 1. And we're going to start at verse 14. See, because the message for today is a message that we are to continue to go on remembering. Amen? So what's the message for today? To go on remembering. Okay? In verse 14, Then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens, to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and seasons, and for days and and years. And for days and years. So that passage of time, days, months, years, Constantly reminds us of the creator God. Not so? Amen. Then God made two great lights. The great light to rule the day. And the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. God set them in the firmament of the heavens. To give light on the earth. And to rule over the day and over the night. And to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning was the fourth day. So every time the sun comes up, every time the sun sets, every time we see a full moon, every time we see the stars, every time we see the seasons change, is to remind us of the Creator God. You see, because we need the light in the heavens that is going to bring about the change of day and night. Hours into days, into weeks, into months, into years. Amen? And so from one season to another, we are to go on remembering the creator God. And once God had built, uh, had created the space, and put the system in place to support life, then he brings life into existence. On the fifth day, he created what? The birds in the air and the fish in the sea. Now they can be sustained. There's like a support system to, to sustain them. Then on the sixth day, God created the animals. And the crowning act of God's creation was he created man in his own image. And God said, let us make man in our own image. In the likeness of him, he created them, man and woman. Amen. So let us take a look at verse 31, Genesis 1. Then God saw everything that he had made. And indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. In the days of creation, the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, God says, it was good, it was good, it was good. But on the seventh day, he said, it was very good. It was complete. Nothing more could be added to it. So with this perfect symmetry, God has brought life into existence, and that life was going to be sustainable. Amen? Let us take a look at Genesis 2one to 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished. And all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. Because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. Very significant verses. Let's take a look at it again. It says, thus the heavens and the earth were complete. There was nothing more God would have added to the creation that would benefit mankind any greater. It was complete. It was finished. Then God did something. God gave a message in verse number 2. He says, and in verses 2 and 3, he says, and on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had made and he rested. God didn't rest because he was tired. He did not. In verse 8. And God blessed the seventh day. And I want us to look at these words. He rested. He blessed. And he sanctified. Because that in it he had rested from all his work. Which God created and made. So then. What was this 24-hour period called the seventh day? What was it supposed to mean to God's creation? The Sabbath was a mark, a stamp of God's creative power. Only me, God, with the power I possess, Can bring everything you see into existence. Without having any resources to do it. So the Sabbath. We're going to look at the Sabbath in the context of salvation. Not in the context of the law. Because in the law it says remember. And so if God said to you remember. It means that it existed before. Didn't it? Amen. It existed before. So we're going to take a look today and look at the Sabbath in the plan of salvation. So many people today are lost because they do not understand the significance of the seventh-day Sabbath in God's plan of salvation. God is not trying to save people. Just think about it this way. You're caught in this stream and you're going downstream in this heavy current. When are you saved? By someone coming alongside you in the water Or someone taking you out of the water and putting you on dry ground? Taking you out of the water and putting you on dry ground? Well, think of sin as this current that's taking you downhill. If it's taking you downhill and somebody comes in the pit of sin to rescue you, if they remain in the pit of sin, are you saved? No. You have to be taken out of the pit of sin and put on higher ground. What is that higher ground? Could you turn down the mic a little bit for me, please? Could you? I think it's too loud. Okay, thanks. Okay, so the Sabbath, the Sabbath, and we're going to take a look at it today, is how God brings you and I into communion with Him. We could enjoy the six days of the week as we want, in reverence to the name of God, but on the seventh day, it's like the family of God coming together and communing with their maker. Amen? So let's take a look at some verses. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So when he says the Sabbath was made for man, that was Jesus responding to the Pharisees. What he's saying that the Sabbath was made for the delight of man to be a joy for mankind. It is a time when mankind would come to, into a deeper relationship with the God who created them. What was God's purpose of giving mankind the seven-day Sabbath? Let's take a look at Exodus 28 to 11. Remember. So if he says, remember, and that commandment was given at the time of Sinai, that was hundreds of years after the creation, then what has happened here? What happened to Adam and Eve and Noah? You know, what happened to these people? Didn't they keep the Sabbath? Did they? Absolutely. We're going to see why they, how, the reason why they kept the Sabbath. He says, Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day the Sabbath of the Lord thy God, in it thou shalt not do any work, though nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth the sea and all that in them is and rested the seventh day, wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. And so many people, good fearing, God-fearing, God loving seventh-day Adventists, uses this passage of Scripture, pins it on the forehead, and says, This is why I keep the Sabbath. But look at what Deuteronomy chapter 5:15 says. And Moses is writing. He's speaking to the children of Israel. And remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out of there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched uh, arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath. You see, the Sabbath was lost on the children of Israel when they were in Egyptian captivity. They were there for 430 years. Think of Remembrance Day. After 97 years, the world is forgetting the younger generation. Give it another 50 years if the world lasts this long. We'd completely forget Remembrance Day. Because all of those who fought in the war and those who suffered during the course of the war and those who honored um, the, you know, the, the lives that were lost, these would have all passed, passed on. And so if this generation, like my kids, are forgetting or don't understand Remembrance Day, that's going to be lost. That's what happened to the children of Israel. They were in Egyptian captivity. And so when they entered Egyptian captivity, they would have had the Sabbath. But living in Egypt among the heathen nations that they were idolatrous, they followed the way of the Egyptians. So God is bringing them back now, and he says, remember, that is, reflect back on your history. Reflect back on your history. Those who went back 200 years, 300 years ago, they kept the Sabbath. It would have come down to the generations even though you lost it. So therefore, Why did God give man the Sabbath? Number one, it's a memorial, a continuing reminder of God the creator. Number one. Number two, it's God's ordained day of rest. And I'm going to expand on that some more. So when when God said that God rested on that very first Sabbath, Adam and Eve would have experienced a rest. Amen? Because there was nothing to do. God had given them stewardship over the earth. And this is the seventh day, the end of creation, they would have rested on the seventh day. And also, as we come to church every Sabbath, it's supposed to be a constant reminder of the God who has delivered us from sin and to sin. What I want us to see is that the Sabbath is a relationship-building institution. It's not just another day of the week. It's very different. Six days of the week, we're so busy with our lifestyle, with our jobs, with our families, that we have a few minutes in the morning, possibly to pray, and in the evening, but we don't have this communion with God. But on the Sabbath day, we're going to blow up this some more, is that we come into this communion with God and with each other. How many times do you see each other during the course of the week other than your spouse? What better time to come into fellowship with one another and communion with one another? Have you ever been to the potluck? Good time. You're not there just for the meal. That's one of the reasons. But you're there to fellowship one with another. So when you think about the seventh-day Sabbath, it is a memorial of the Creator God. He has created all things. Remember the opening passage of Scripture that Caleb read so well? War broke out in heaven. And we're going to see this war in the earth right now. There is war over the Sabbath, over the Word of God. So let's continue. Exodus 31, 16, and 17. Wherefore the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations for a perpetual covenant. Now what's a covenant? For those who are married, give me an answer please. What's a covenant? We talk about the marriage covenant. What's a covenant? Sorry? Well, is this a promise, an agreement? What else? It's a contract? Okay. What else? It's a commitment. It's a commitment. Now, a covenant should not be broken. A covenant is everlasting. You remember the story of Jesus when the Pharisees came to him and asked him about, is it correct to divorce my wife? You remember that? In the book of Matthew? Jesus said it should never have been so. But because of the hardness of your hearts, Moses gave you the bill of divorce. But it should not be so. You see, a marriage covenant is for good or for bad. You know, we take this marriage covenant, we you know, for better or for worse, you're going to stay in this relationship. And when it gets better, we're thinking of leaving. And when it gets really worse, then we leave. But well, that's not a marriage covenant. In good times and in bad times, you stay in the relationship. Because it is supposed to be for life. So when God says, he, he adds the word. You see the word there? Perpetual. This thing is not changing. Oh. Oh, sorry. The, sorry, yes. Perpetual. What does perpetual mean? Forever. It does not come to an end. God's relationship with mankind is for an eternity. So he says, I gave them the Sabbath for what? For a perpetual covenant it is a sign or a mark, a memorial between me and you, the children of Israel. We are spiritual Israel. He says, forever. That's relationship building. That's what, that's possibly in, in our language, will say, well that is the certificate of marriage. This is the covenant here, children. I am your God. I am the Creator. I am the one who sanctifies you. I am the one who provides for you from Sunday to, S- to Friday and give you an additional blessing on the Sabbath. Perpetual covenant, he says. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh, and he rested and was refreshed. Let's take a look at Jeremiah 31:33. 33. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, said the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. So if he's going to make this covenant, what would be an element of that covenant? What would be the element of the covenant? The Sabbath. The Sabbath. That's how God, there are two things God used to establish his covenant with humankind. The Sabbath the law, as is the Sabbath as it's in the law, and the blood. Living in our time, the blood of Christ. During the time of the children of Israel, it was the blood of the animal, the ty- that, that was a type of Christ's blood, and the law. So God's covenant with mankind. So God gave us the Sabbath for this reason. It's a sign of God's perpetual covenant with man to be our God and we his people. So the Sabbath is a day for enriching our relationship with God. You know, we can set aside the things of the world and focus on the love of God, the mercy of God, the justice of God. We can speak about the goodness of God. The Sabbath is a day, not just to come to church because the the commandment says, remember the Sabbath day. That's for people who knew the Sabbath, lost the Sabbath, and now they're reminded But from the time of creation, God wanted this relationship with mankind. How do we know that? In Genesis chapter 3, we notice that after Adam and Eve sinned, did God just forsake them? No. He came in the cool of the day. He came to the garden in the cool of the day and asked Adam, where art thou? God is a seeking God. God is a searching God. God is not in the heavens. In the story of um, Daniel chapter 2, when the wise men of Babylon could not have given Nebuchadnezzar the answer to the dream and the interpretation. They this, this, this said to Nebuchadnezzar that what you're asking, only the gods whose dwelling is not with us. So they worshiped a god that was not a relational god. When, when Daniel and his friends prayed, what happened? The prayer was answered. They got the dream and the interpretation. So the God that we serve, the creator God, the God that has given us the Sabbath, is a relational God. He wants us to be in his presence. And when we failed because of sin, he condescended to come in person so that we could come to know him. Amen? We can fathom the love of God. I can't fathom it. I can't understand it. You know, if I was God, I'd just cast them out you know, and create a whole bunch of new people. But that's not the way God is. God is a loving God and a merciful God. And I sometimes sit and think, you know, what is God thinking of us in heaven right now? He says, a perpetual covenant between you and I. Let's continue. Ezekiel 20 12. Moreover, I also gave them my Sabbaths. You see why we come to church on the Sabbath day now? It's to enrich a relationship. Amen. He says, moreover, I also gave them my Sabbaths to be a sign between them and me that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. Where did we first see that word sanctify? Verse 3, Genesis chapter 2 verse 3. He sanctified the day. So come to church on the Sabbath. The Sabbath is to be a sanctifying influence. What does sanctify mean? To make holy. So we draw into this righteousness and holiness. Turn with me in your Bibles please to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And I want us to understand the Sabbath. Because when we truly understand the Sabbath, we can witness the Sabbath to those in the world out there. Ephesians chapter 4. And the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. He says Ephesians chapter 4. And the part, And we're going to go, um, well, let's just start from um, verse 20, Ephesians 4 verse 20, verse 4 verse 20. He says, but you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust." So when you come to Christ and come to know Christ and you believe in Christ, you put away the sinful flesh. And he says now, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So when God said, let us make man in our own image, he created Adam and Eve with the capacity to be holy and righteous if they had remained obedient to him. And in the same manner, in a similar manner, as we remain obedient to the, the, to the Ten Commandments, as we honor God on the Sabbath day, He sanctifies us. That is, He's bringing us, He's creating us a character of holiness and righteousness. Amen? Isn't it great that God is doing all of it? And all God asks for is obedience. So what does it mean? How, 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 how do we get sanctified? Let's take a look at Second 2 Thessalonians 2.13 but we are bound to give thanks always to God for you brethren beloved of the Lord because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth so as it is the spirit of God doing the work in us changing us that we don't lie and we don't steal and we don't kill we don't get up in the morning and say I'm not going to kill somebody today do we? So why should I get up on Saturday morning? You know, the commandment says I should go to church today. The Sabbath is a relational experience. That's what it is. Just have you have it in your heart, I'm not going to kill. In the same way you have it in your heart, I just want to go in the presence of God. I just want to fellowship with the other members. Okay? So let us take a look at John 17, 17. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So we are being made holy; our character is being changed into that of righteousness, from sinfulness to righteousness, through what—the word of God, the Spirit of God, obedience to the Sabbath. I saw this quote in Steps to Christ, page 17. Ellen G. White writes, "Unceasing prayer is the unbroken union of the soul with God, such that life from God flows into our lives." And from our life, purity and holiness flow back to God. I want someone here to tell me, when you consider your life, the thoughts that cross your mind sometimes, are they always holy and righteous? Sometimes we find ourselves criticizing. We fall out of line sometimes. But look what Ellen G. White says: That when we pray continually to God, When we seek God out. What? What comes from God? Life from God. So it's like a current. Flows into our life. And going back to God. Is purity and holiness. That reminds me of the circulatory system. Blood coming in one side. Blood going out the other side. So think about God. That through the spirit of god the word of god attending church on the sabbath and by praying god is transforming us back into that created being he once started with amen so we attend church on the sabbath oh that's frozen So therefore, why do we attend church on the Sabbath? Well, the Sabbath, God is the one, it's a constant reminder, it's an ongoing reminder that God is the one making us holy before him. That is, every Sabbath, we should feel assured of our salvation in Christ. Amen? So God is recreating us back into his own image. So let's continue. Ezekiel 20, 20. Hallow my Sabbath, and there will be a sign. How many times have we seen this word sign? It means a mark. It means a memorial. It says, Hallow my Sabbath. If you go through the whole Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, wherever you see that word Sabbath, you see a sign, a mark. In the old um, ceremonial service, in the sanctuary, there were certain what we call ceremonial Sabbaths. That is, so for example, at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and that took place on the fifteenth of the first month, from the fifteenth to the twenty-first of the first month of the year. And on the first day of the feast of unleavened bread, the children of Israel were asked to take out, to take away from the house, the cupboards, everything that was leaven. It signified sin, leaven. So on that Sabbath, so on that first day, it was referred to as a Sabbath day. So that could have fallen on any day of the week, just as how we have Christmas. And on the last day, which is the 21st, that was supposed to be a Sabbath. But why a Sabbath? Because why? The Feast of Unleavened Bread pointed to Christ who was going to cleanse us from all sin. So that ceremonial, that ceremonial Sabbath typified the rest that we're going to find in Christ. Amen? Having removed our sins from us. So when you see the 7th day Sabbath as a rest, not just a physical rest, but also a spiritual rest. Let's go to. So therefore, we, the Seventh-day Sabbath is a reminder of the Creator God who governs. Sorry, I missed a verse here. Sorry, yes, this is right. Ezekiel twenty twenty. 20. Hallow my Sabbaths and it will be a sign between me and you that you may know that I am the Lord your God. That is the God who governs our lives. Amen? So we can look at the cupboards in the week and see they're bare or they're full. And we're going to give God thanks. We can look at the paycheck we receive. Give God thanks. Because he makes it all possible. Leviticus 23.3 Six days shall work be done. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest. A holy convocation. You shall do no work on it. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. Now what is a convocation? A gathering. Now in today's world, this type of a gathering is what called? Church. Not so? So God had ordained the Sabbath as a day of worship. It's as a holy convocation. Isn't that beautiful? The Sabbath is all about Christ. Christ, the creator. Christ, the redeemer. Christ is the one who's going to glorify us. Amen? How beautiful is the Sabbath? The seventh day Sabbath, nothing can be compared to it in all your dwellings, he says. So it's a God's ordained day for worshiping him. Take a look at this quote by J.N. Andrews. The importance of the Sabbath as the memorial of creation is that it keeps ever-present the true reason why worship is due to God. Because he is the creator and we are his creatures. The Sabbath therefore lies at the very foundation of divine worship for it teaches this great truth in the most impressive manner and no other institution does this. The true ground of divine worship, not of that on the seventh day merely, but of all worship, is found in the distinction between the creator and his creatures. So the worship on the Sabbath Distinguishes our worship To the creator Rather than a worship to the creature This great fact Can never be obsolete And must never be forgotten Amen I like this quote by Ellen G. White She says It was to keep this truth Ever before the minds of men That God instituted the Sabbath in Eden So that is God the creator and so long as the fact that he is our creator continues to be a reason why we should worship him so long the sabbath will continue so long the sabbath will continue as its sign and memorial mm-hmm. had the sabbath been universally kept man's thoughts and affections would have been led to the creator as the object of reverence and worship and there would never have been an idolater an atheist or an infidel? If the Christian church had kept the Sabbath, there had never been what? An infidel. There had never been an atheist. The keeping of the Sabbath is a sign of loyalty to the true God, Him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. It follows that the message which commands men to worship God and keep His commandments will especially call upon them to keep the fourth commandment. Amen? So therefore, war broke out in heaven. We now have war on earth. The devil and his angels fought. Michael and his angels fought back. We are now brought into the warfare. We are the defenders now of the Sabbath. We are now the defenders of the word of God. See, because in the earth today, this is what we have. From AD, 1844, 80 to present time, we've got Catholicism, Roman Catholicism, the papacy. That organization is striving for religious supremacy and infallibility. It began before that. It lost its power in 1798, but it has come back. That is, the Pope is God. They're seeking a new world order. It's on the news every week now. Pope Francis is seeking a new world order. And that new world order is that he is going to be, or the Pope is going to be the moral authority in this earth. Heads of governments are turning that way. That there is going to be ecumenism Bring all the Christian faiths together Or all the faith groups together We're all going to be thrown into one pot Forget what your beliefs are What you believe in God look at us He's looking for Sunday sacredness That is to replace the Seventh day Sabbath with the first day Fall Sabbath and, he's looking, and we see them gravitated Towards spiritualism That is the dead can talk to us While that is going on in the earth, the warfare is on, in heaven, what's going on? From 1844 to now, Jesus Christ, he's mediating before the throne of grace on our behalf. And so on the earth, the papacy is saying, come and repent and receive salvation. Well, God is pleading his broken body and his spilled blood in the heavenly sanctuary, asking the father to forgive them. Father, my blood, my blood. That's the war. It says, now, the investigative judgment is on. It is a cleansing of the heavenly sanctuary. Sin has to be removed from our lives. We are to send our sins to heaven so that they could be removed from the books of heaven. It says, we are to be sanctified. That is Christ, our righteousness. There is no one righteous, no but one, none but There is no one righteous. However, in Christ Jesus, we could receive that robe of righteousness. And we are supposed to be looking forward to the blessed hope. So the issue at the end of time, the time we're living in, ladies and gentlemen, understand the Sabbath. Because we are going to be called to the test to defend the Sabbath. Do you know in Europe, there are a number of countries that have already passed a Sunday law. But it has nothing to do with worship. It's called a family day. A day of rest. And they're looking to do the same in the United States. They're trying to come through the back door. They can't come through the front door. You know why? Because the front door, there are too many atheists and unbelievers and false Christians. But if they come through the back door, so they can't come as a religious um, legislation is going to come as a secular legislation, let us protect the worker. Let us protect families. Let's keep families together. And after that would be the jumping point. You know what? These... Sabbath keeping people over there is what's causing causing the pestilence and that's causing the earthquakes and that's causing the natural disasters. Let's persecute them. Read the Great Controversy the last eight chapters of the the, the book Great Controversy by G. White and see what is coming on this earth. And I believe it that God is going to bless many of our eyes to see the end of time and the second coming of Jesus Christ. But between now and then there is going to be a falling away, and there's going to be a persecution of the faithful. So, where do we go from here? Second crisis, second coming. Revelation 14:6 and 7. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth through every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, "Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come. And worship Him who made heaven and earth, the sea, and the fountains of water." That's semi-adventist theology, not so? Three angels' message. Understand the three angels' message, okay? Ellen G. White, writing The Present Truth, September 1, 1849. The Lord has shown me that precious souls are starving and dying for want of the present sealing truth. The meat in due season, and that the swift messengers should speed on their way and feed the flock with the present truth. I heard an angel say, Speed the swift messengers. Speed the swift messengers. For the case of every soul will soon be decided either for life or for death. Could you imagine bringing someone to understand the Sabbath, you can bring them before the altar of Christ and be saved in the kingdom of God. I answer questions for amazing facts. Um, The question is coming from around the world. It's online. You won't believe the number of people that are asking about the Sabbath. There's one girl who studies with me. She is in... um, well, she's in Virginia somewhere. On, on Sunday night. She came to a knowledge of the Sabbath. And I was able to engage her in Bible study. More and more people are asking about the Sabbath. Ellen G. White is saying. They are starving and dying for want of the present. seal in truth. That Sabbath is what? A seal of our redemption. A seal of God the creator. It's a seal of God who sanctifies us. And she says that there are many around in our communities everywhere that they're they're looking for this truth. So why do we attend church on the seventh day Sabbath? Is to build relationships. That's why we come to church on the Sabbath. That's why we keep the Sabbath. It's building relationship, both vertically and horizontally. So let's take a look at the vertical relationship. Jesus invites us into this relationship in Matthew 11, 28, 29 Come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden And I will give you rest Now that rest there in the Greek is a physical rest It says take my yoke upon you and learn from me For I am gentle and lowly in heart And you will find rest Spiritual rest for your souls Okay The vertical relationship Jesus invites us Hebrews 10, 22 And having a an high priest over the house of God Let us draw near with a true heart In full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. God wants that relationship. That on the Sabbath, from sunset Friday evening to sunset Sabbath afternoon, could you believe it, church? We're coming into the presence of God. Amen? We can't see Him because He is immortal. He's going to, his, 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 his presence is a destroying fire. So what happens? Jesus stands between this computer, this laptop is between you and I right now. Jesus is standing between there. Father, I have died for them. They have accepted me, my broken body and my spilled blood. And we are robed in the righteousness of Christ. Amen? Amen, church? Amen. Christ, our only hope. I was joyous to see that sign up there this morning when I drove in. Hope. The world has no hope anymore. There is no element of hope any longer. It's gone. This church, this church, the Seventh-day Adventist church, is the only denomination in the Christian faith that can give hope to a dying world. Because we can tell them do not be afraid of death because Christ triumphed over the grave. There is the promise of the resurrection. We can tell them that it is by grace through faith we are saved. And by having received the gift of salvation, the Spirit of God now performs good works in us so that we can reflect the image of Christ. We can tell them about the joy of the Sabbath. How through the Sabbath, God is sanctifying us, changing us, bringing us back into the character of God. We understand the second coming of Jesus Christ better than anybody else. Because we look forward to a Christ who is coming through the heavens in great glory and great triumph with thousands and ten, ten thousands of angels so he could meet us personally on the way to heaven. Amen? Amen? There is so much hope we can give to this world. Let's not be idle about it. I grew up in a home and I was about 10 or 11 years old. I never thought I was going to live to age 40. I can still remember that Sabbath afternoon. It was bright and sunny. And I was standing under a nutmeg tree. And this thought crossed my mind. I would not live to age 40. Because I lived in a house where my grandmother lived with us. She was blind at a very early age, I understand. When I was born, she was already blind. And my mother, they were both Seventh-day Adventists. And I heard in their discussions over and over the second coming of Jesus Christ. That this thing got into me. And I remember it was um, just after John Kennedy, now deceased, was elected president of the United States. He was a Catholic, the very first Catholic to be president of the United States. And I heard my grandmother say, and I can still hear those words, here comes Sunday law. What did I know about Sunday law? That was the message they had then. And that is the message that should resonate with us. And that is the hope that we can give to people. That all that we see around us with ISIL and ISIS. That we see in Egypt and we see in Libya. And we see in Afghanistan. And we see in France. We know. Jesus says, you know, those are just signs. But the time is not yet. Which means that there is more time by which... In which people could be saved. Amen. So therefore. So there's the, 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 the vertical relationship. So every seventh day. Reaffirms in us. The true God who created us. We are sons and daughters of God. We belong to the family of God even now. Jesus is not waiting to come. And bring us into heaven. And bring us before the father. Right now he says. We are sons and daughters of God. The God who died to save us. God's perpet- perpetual covenant to be our God. The God who promises to come and remove us from this world of sin. The God who grants us eternal rest in him. Amen. What a joy the Sabbath is to be. Now how about the horizontal? The horizontal relationship is a demonstration of growing up in Christ. Let's take a look at Hebrews 1023 to 25. It says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promise. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together As the manner of some is But exhorting one another And so much the more as you see the day approaching It means that when we come to church on the Sabbath I should stop by and say Sister Marie, happy Sabbath to you How was your week? God bless The church, Sabbath school Is a field for evangelism Marie and I went to church a few years ago. And this lady came and she sat in our Sabbath school class. I'm looking at the clock. It's still a while to sunset. So what happened? After Sabbath school was finished and we knew she was not a Seventh Adventist, Marie invited her to come and sit with us for the divine hour. So she sat with us for the divine hour and that day we had some friends coming over to the house for lunch. So we invited her to lunch. So she came Sat, we were having lunch and she knew very little about the Bible And I, I can't remember the question she asked but I said you could never understand the plan of salvation until you understand the earthly sanctuary she said what is that so I took one of the napkins from the table I drew out the earthly sanctuary and I explained from the gate to the altar to the laver to the holy place the most holy place what it was she was from actually she was visiting from Florida So she went back to Florida. But before she had come to Canada, she had known a lady uh, who was a Seventh-day Adventist. But she said she never really had any relationship they never talked about anything. So she went back to Florida and she went and found a Seventh-day Adventist church. And she studied and she was baptized. And I was talking to her a couple years ago. No, sorry, no, just recently. A couple years ago I spoke with her. She was coming back to Canada. She wanted to visit Marie and I. And on the phone she said to me, Glendon, that sanctuary you drew for me on this napkin. I carry it in my purse wherever I go. Amen? It's the fellowship. It's to strengthen one another. To encourage one another. Some of us have had some rough times during the course of the week. It's to pray with one another. Okay? So therefore, to go on remembering. In the seventh day Sabbath lies God's promise Of redemption. Right at the creation. Before man had ever sinned. God had put forward. In a. What I would call. um, It was not very clear. In an opaque way. The plan of redemption. Because what? He sanctified the day. He made it holy. And by observing the day. He brings us. Into the plan of redemption. Amen. Genesis 2-3. Then God blessed the Sabbath day. And sanctified it. Because in it he rested from all the work. Which God had created and made. Isaiah 58, 13, 14. So here is the plan of redemption. Lies in the heart of the Sabbath. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath. From doing thy pleasure in my holy day. And call the Sabbath a delight. The holy of the Lord. Honorable. And shall honor him. Not doing thine own ways. Not finding thine own pleasure. nor speaking thine own words. Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord. There's a redemption now, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. What he's saying to us is that you cannot fathom the joy that is ahead of you by keeping the Sabbath. He says, I'm going to make you ride above the high places of Jacob. Let's take a look at Isaiah 66, 23 for as the new heavens and the new earth which I will make shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your descendants and your name remain. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another all flesh shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. Where would that be taken place? In heaven and in earth after the 1,000 years. From one Sabbath to another. There's the plan of redemption laid out in the Sabbath. It's a day through which we are sanctified. It's a day that reminds us of the Creator God. It's a day that reminds us that He has a relationship with us, an everlasting covenant. It's a day that He wants us to worship Him. It's a day that God wants on the Sabbath that you and I would come to know Him and know each other. That's the Sabbath. The Sabbath is to be a joy. Amen? I pray that God continue to richly bless you.